0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In the summer of 2008, I was at St. Mary the Virgin Anglican Church in Manteca, California. I was in the office there uh, as their rector, preparing for the coming Sunday, when one of my vestry members, Chris Stewart, came into the office and and fired me. wasn't quite that dramatic he came in and he sat down and he said father howard i've been praying and i think i've heard from the lord um that you're supposed to leave saint mary's and uh we talked and prayed together and it was something that Aaron and i were um already discerning and through prayer and talk with chris and Aaron and i we discerned that yeah the lord was calling us to leave saint mary's and to move to henderson which we did in 2009 to uh Begin Jesus the Good Shepherd. That uh, ability to discern the Lord's will and to communicate it when it's hard, especially uh, to those that are over us, those in authority, and just to other members of the church is essential for the life of the church. In fact, if we can't do that, and if we're not doing that, we're not the church. We have to be able to do that. We have to be able to listen to the Lord, and we have to be able to talk with one another about difficult things. If we're not doing that, there's not going to be any kind of health, and indeed, we're going to fall into the kind of destruction that Eli fell into. Eli is the last of those judges of Israel. Remember that after Moses and Joshua bring the people into the Promised Land, there's those centuries of judges before the kings are established. And uh, Eli is the last of those. And Samuel is this child who is living in the tabernacle of God. Even more incredible than that, he's sleeping, we read, in the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. That's incredible, isn't it? That a boy is sleeping in the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant? This is a time when the Shekinah glory of God is still there in the midst of the people, right? The Ark and the tabernacle are still one. They haven't been separated, as they will be a short time later. And so his presence is there. So here is Samuel the boy. He is in the Holy of Holies. He's sleeping right next to the Ark of the Covenant. The Shekinah glory of God is there. He's living with the last judge of Israel, and he doesn't know the Lord. That's crazy, right? He doesn't know his voice. He doesn't know how to respond to him. He doesn't know how to be in relationship with him. And it takes Eli a minute to to teach him how to do that. And this is the job of the church. We are supposed to be teaching our children how to listen to the voice of the Lord and to follow it. That is our job here. And we can't do it by ourselves. Right? Anytime that we think that we're being distracted or irritated by the children in our parish, that's because we are looking at our role in the church in the completely wrong way. We are here to teach them how to worship the Lord. We're here to teach them how to do it with their bodies and their minds and their spirits. We're here to teach them how to follow the Lord. Each of us is going to die, and we are going to go before the Lord, and He's going to ask us, What about the children in your care? This isn't just your physical offspring, these aren't just the ones you stood up for in baptism. This is all the children who are in your worshiping community. The Lord is going to say, did you show them how to worship me? Did you teach them who I am? Did you teach them to listen to my voice? This is an awesome and dangerous responsibility because Eli didn't do it. And it's not just that he didn't. We sometimes think he didn't restrain his children. In other words, he didn't kind of give them some physical discipline like he wasn't tough enough. That wasn't it at all. He didn't teach them how to worship the Lord. He didn't give them self-discipline, right? Self-discipline that comes out of a desire to do what's right and the knowledge of how to do it. Because to live and to do what's right takes practice and it takes a desire and a hunger and a thirst to do those right things. And so we are in a precarious place, brothers and sisters. And if we're not willing to do that job and we're not willing to support one another, then again, we are not being the church. We have to know who Jesus is and we have to know who he's calling us to be. This is what the disciples are coming to understand here in John chapter one, as Jesus is calling his disciples. He's already called the two who were with John the Baptist and now he's gathering more and we hear three titles for Jesus. Three very important titles. The first one Nathaniel gives, he says, you're the son of God. What does that mean? That means that he is God. It means that he is of one substance with God, right? That he is of the father. So we have one God and three persons, right? You are the son of God. He says, you're the king of Israel. He says, I understand that you are the fulfillment of the prophecy, that this is the promise to, to King David, that your kingdom would have no end and that There would be a king upon the throne, and indeed, Jesus fulfills that perfectly. And then Jesus says that he's the son of man. As soon as we hear that title, son of man, we should think back to Daniel the prophet and to that vision that he had of the the ancient of days, right, descending out of heaven and the son of man seated at the right hand of the throne, and that this is God who is descending to earth that we are supposed to worship and obey, And so he draws together all of these themes, he gathers together all these chords, and he says that you're supposed to follow me and you're supposed to come and see. That is the life of faith. That means that we hear the call, we hear the invitation to live lives of holiness, we hear the invitation to worship the Lord, and we follow it. It's not just enough to know those titles. We can meet plenty of people in the world and you can say, do you know who Jesus is? And they'll say, yeah, he's up here on my row of household gods, right along with these other gods, right? They can know his biography. They can know his name. They can know his provenance. But until they worship him as the one true God, they don't know him. And the only way that we can teach that is by showing one another how to do it, by modeling the worship of the Lord. And this is what St. Paul is teaching the Corinthians to do. He's saying, don't you understand that what you do with your bodies, how you worship with your bodies is of the utmost important because you have become tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of God. And he draws special attention to sexuality, which sometimes the world says, why are you so um, upset about sexuality? Why are you so concerned about it? And The first thing that we might say is that St. Paul says these are the particular sins of the body, but the second thing we can say is, I don't need to explain that. The world knows it already. Talk to anybody who has truly had their heart broken. Talk to anybody who has misused that incredible power of procreation, right? Who has had death and suffering in their lives due to not rightly ordering their sexuality, and we don't need to tell them how dangerous and powerful it is. This is the most powerful thing that we have in our bodies, this ability to, to procreate. To have these lives that we're so responsible for and to raise them, it requires healthy sexual living, it requires an intimacy, and it requires a dedication, it requires a holiness that we can't do by ourselves. We take it of the utmost serious because we know what the world knows, that when it's disordered, there is suffering, there is death, there is heartbreak, there is mental illness, there is physical illness that comes from disordered sexuality. And because of our love for those around us, we teach that we have to live lives of holiness. But it, again, doesn't come through chastisement. It doesn't come through finger-wagging. It comes through encouraging and showing and dedicating ourselves to modeling the right way of living and to ordering our bodies, to living in our bodies and teaching them the right way to clean them and to cherish them. We did this on Friday when Calvin's casket came into the sanctuary. We treated that with reverence, with holiness, because we know that these bodies are created for us by God to worship him with. And so we treat that vessel, that body, as an instrument of God's worship. The world knows it. Many Christian Americans, though, are more willing to stand up and to put their hand over their heart for the Pledge of Allegiance or for singing the National Anthem than they are to stand and make the sign of the cross in church. They know that this is required to be a good citizen, that we have to teach our children how to stand. Does that make you a good citizen because you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and for the the National Anthem? Of course not, but it's a good start. Does it make you a good husband because you kneel and ask your, your sweetheart to marry you? No, but it's a good start. Kneeling before the Lord does not make us righteous Christians, but it's a good start. Because it teaches us, it orders us how to live in our bodies, how to show in our bodies worship and dignity and honor and to rightly order ourselves according to God and his ways. And it is our duty to teach it to our children. We've lost many of that first generation that we planted the church with here. Calvin now among them, one of our first members that gathered that small group that had those small children, many of whom are now serving in the church, that are doing that not because of my effort or Aaron's effort, but because we did it as a church family, because we served them and we taught them how to worship. This is our duty. This is our honor to teach those in our midst how to rightly order our hearts and our minds and our bodies to the true worship of Almighty God so that when these little ones and these rows are our age, they can say to us, they taught me how to worship the Lord in holiness. Amen. Amen.